You are about to hear two New York City-based artists discuss how to pursue God, music, and a fulfilling life. I'm Melinda May. I'm Trevor Knight, and this is Stronger Voices. Welcome to today's episode of Stronger Voices. Thank you for joining us. We are coming to you live once again from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it is beautiful and sunny, finally, and we're happy to be broadcasting to you today. Mm-hmm. Still in quarantine? Still in That's quarantine. We're in Minneapolis. Waiting it out, but we're getting closer, I'd say. Things, yeah. are, things are looking up, and even if we're inside for a little while longer, it's the weather's good, and we can run around outside and do fun things, and life is really pretty good. Are you having a good time? I'm having a great time. That's having the so time good. of my life. That's so good. Writing a lot, exercising, practicing all my music, trying to get better at that. It's good. Life's yeah. good. That's what's good. what's up with you? Uh, not too much. I the suit music video is doing really well. I'm really excited about yeah? that. Yeah, it's really good. So that's been good. And and you set up some targeted campaigns with that today. I did to try to spread it to new markets and see who responds to it the most. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then I'm uh, finishing a new song that I'm excited about. I'm gonna release. I think a couple acoustic songs soon, so that'll be nice. And yeah, all the usual things. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. And then I have that song coming out on May 15th, so it might be after you are listening to this podcast. So if you want to, you can find it on any streaming platform in any of my social medias, my whatever. God, that's in like a week. Yeah. That snuck up on us. It comes out on May 15th. It's called I Deserve Better. I think you will enjoy it. So it's such give a it, good song. Give it a listen. So right now I'm just kind of focusing on that. Getting the hype and all the digital click funnels and all the boring stuff in line so that release can hopefully be successful. But besides that, yeah, life's good. Got some new stuff in the pipeline and writing new stuff. And yeah, the music realm of my life's pretty solid and this podcast is we're growing it and yeah. the social media presence is starting to grab hold and it's it's really cool to see it is neat to see it's taking shape that's for sure definitely so is. yeah and we're we work hard on that too so yeah a lot going on yeah a lot going on if you don't follow us on instagram i would encourage you to there's lots of cool stuff there that you might not see elsewhere and you can do that at Stronger Voices Podcast on Instagram. Stronger Voices Podcast. So what are we talking about today, Melinda May? I'm very excited about this. So backstory, I did not tell Trevor anything about what we were talking about today. I just told him it was in Second Samuel. And I just am genuinely, this isn't something I had prepared for the podcast. I'm just really, I read this this morning and I was like, I want to talk to Trevor about this. But we figured we'd just record the conversation. And so. I have something similar that I read this morning in Mark that I just want to volley. So nice. let's start with your excerpt from Second Samuel. Okay, so so have you read the whole book of Second Samuel? Yes. Right, right, I knew that. So there's this one part I came across today, and it's David is the king of Israel at this point. Um, and, you know, he has all the power, all of the wealth. He's king of Israel. It's a really big deal. So this guy is following David, the king of Israel, the guy with all the power and money and everything, follow following him around and cursing him, like saying annoying things, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he's part of David's going in these big, oh, what's the word? What's the word? Um, 
convoys, right? Yeah. And, and he's in a big caravan, and this man is running alongside it, just yelling at him and insulting yeah, him. And yeah, and insulting him yeah. in front of everybody. Okay, so so this is what I read this morning. I'm going to read it to you right now. It says, so this guy is yelling. This is what the guy is saying. The Lord avenged you on all the blood on the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son, Absalom. See, your evil is on you for you're a man of blood. And I don't know if that all makes sense. But the point is, it's very insulting. And those are deep cuts because he's mentioning David's dad. He's mentioning uh, David's son. It's just like basically this guy is saying like right. you are crap, like yeah. just like horrible. And so then Abishai, the son of uh, Zariah, said to the king, "Why should this dead dead dog curse the Lord, curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head." But the king said, "What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David." Who then shall say, why have you done so? What do you think of that? It's really interesting. I think it's important to, before we get into the meat of that, give a little bit of context before and after this happened. So before this happened, Saul was the king of Israel. Samuel, who the book of Second Samuel is named after, anointed David to be the next king while Saul was still king. Eventually, you know, Saul relinquishes his reign to David, and after being king for a while, David's son Absalom tries to rally a rebellion mm-hmm. to become king, and he starts killing some of his relatives and doing bad things. And that's when this takes place. So this guy who's running along the road is probably a little bit confused. Well, David was king, and Saul used to be king, and that's not just, and he's going to get what he deserves because his son's going to overtake him and all these things. He's saying to David, like, you're evil, you're a man of blood and all this stuff. So here's the thing. And then, so David's, one of David's dudes is like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're king of Israel. Like, I can take off this little man's head right now. And David goes, whoa. Yeah. If, you know, he's cursing me. If this, if God told this man to curse me, then who am I to disagree? This is this is a really interesting spot because it's very atypical for what you would expect for someone in his position and for David himself. He had been prone in his life to succumbing to his compulsive anger. You know, he would have fits of rage where he would write these psalms about how distressed he was and he had people killed and bad things so this is atypical for those reasons but what's really cool about this is it also shows why which we talked about on a previous episode of this podcast why david is such a man after god's own heart even though he's not perfect and he does bad things and he has anger sometimes he knows that god's will is above his and he knows that god is there and that God loves him, and that God has protected him through his life. David could have died a lot of times in his life, and he made it to king of Israel because God said David will be king of Israel. Yeah. So in this instance, even though at other previous times in his life, he may have gotten really angry, killed somebody, whatever, you can see David's heart, which is you know what God loves and why David's a man after God's own heart, is because he... He has this feeling, well, if God is willing this to happen, I want it to happen, even if it's inflicting insult on me. So that's really cool. And 
also this instance is important because the context after this happens, do you know after this near, I think it's at the end of Second Samuel, this man, when David returns and Absalom is no longer a threat, this man apologizes to David and David, I, if I'm recalling this correctly, what's this, what's this man's name who's insulting him? Uh, I don't know, ZM or something? Something like that. I think it starts with a Z. Mm-hmm. This man comes to David and he said, I did something really bad. I know I was insulting you. I had no right to do that. Inflict whatever punishment you think just. And David forgives him because yeah. at that time, you know, that was something that David thought was in the will of the Lord. And the will of the Lord is so important to David. And that's why God loves David. Yeah, it's the most important thing. But first of all, I want to make clear that it's not a sin to be angry. It's not a sin to be like super mad, you know. And even though David got mad in the Psalms, like some of them are angry, but um, even Jesus got angry, you know, and God, God gets angry. So that part's not. Yeah, David went. uh, I mean, (laughs) David did a lot of things that. um showed his anger but you're right having anger isn't a sin jesus went into the temple and flipped over tables of people who were doing things that shouldn't be done in the temple so jesus got angry sometimes too sure and when he was talking to the pharisees he said you brood of vipers and other like very strong like yeah yeah i think this is an important point just before we move on to the next one in general emotions are not sinful thoughts are not sinful i think what is sinful is if you entertain them or if you hang on to them or if you act on them yeah everyone has bad thoughts you know that's the consequence of living in a world that's governed by earthly forces yeah it's not a sin to have a bad thought everyone has bad thoughts but it can become sinful to dwell on them and entertain them and to string out hypotheticals and to act on the bad thoughts yeah and it's a it's an interesting line it's a gray line for everybody but i've definitely like had thoughts that weren't 100 you know whether they were a little doubtful or something and then just like ask god for forgiveness for that you know i was like no that's not true god i'm sorry i even thought that yeah you know so but it's that's one of those things that yeah you can't um i mean i guess thoughts can be sinful if you're conjuring them up yourself but yeah if something if something just pops into your brain, it's yeah. not necessarily sin. Absolutely, and the same thing w- that you said about emotions. You know, like you know, people are people. Things happen. It is about where your heart is and what mm-hmm. you do. You, yeah, you're totally right about that. But the thing that struck me when I was reading this on the porch this morning was how the humility of David, where he's like, "Can you imagine if anything?" bad is happening to you or something embarrassing like someone's like making fun of you like that and out loud or something and for you to say you know what if this if if the curses that he is saying to me if the bad things that he is saying about me if god told him to say those bad things then then who am i to stop it you have got to have god so first in your heart and your mind to say that or to believe that And I think a a way that that translates into our lives, you know, when when the crap hits the fan in some way, it's kind of like, God, if you are teaching me through this, like or 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 even saying as a profession of faith, I know you are teaching me through this or I know you're with me through this. um, 
there's so much strength in that, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, well, God, this is you're sovereign and, and I know you love me and okay. It's such a, um, it was just a beautiful thing. And it also is very freeing to think like that. Like, God, I am so yours, even to the point that if this man is like saying all this crap and it's from you, then okay. As long as it's from you. And he lets it persist. Yeah. And what's, yeah. what's striking about that too, is that if this were just two people walking along the road and one was insulting the other, some people would do something about that, but this is the king of Israel. This is the most powerful man that this man could insult. Yeah. And the fact that that power didn't get to David's head, and he also, didn't, and he yeah. didn't think, I deserve this throne. I, you know, I don't deserve these insults because I'm the king of Israel and I should be exalted and all these things. The power didn't corrupt David because you're right. He had God first in his heart and in his mind. And it's so obvious because of that. Yeah. And that's why David, again, this is why David is a man after God's own heart. He's always looking like, well, what does God think? Well, what does God want? Where is God at with this? And you made such a good point the last podcast, I think it was, but or maybe it was the one before that. But it's not about being perfect david wasn't a perfect man but he was so after god all the time you know anyway so the story goes on and there is more that i thought about it so um so then so david says you know well then who am i to say like why then if god told him to curse me who am i to disagree and david said to abishai and to all the servants behold my own son seeks my life how much more now may this benjaminite Leave him alone and let him curse for the Lord has told him to it. This is the part that I was like, "Whoa! it may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. Um, and again, like such faith in that, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, what do you think of it? You go first. Um, well, the first thing I thought was. It's interesting how hundreds of years after that, Jesus talks about very similar things. Jesus w- was but a you know, distant twinkle in the Jewish faith's eye at this point. And he talks about... Jesus is a descendant of David, too, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. as a thing to throw out there. So right. that's interesting. Right. Um, but Jesus talks about what you give will be given back to you 30, 60, 100-fold. Um, what you, some of what you reap will, you will sow 30, 60, a hundredfold. So it, it's interesting that David uses similar language. Whatever he endures as insult, he will get back in, um, you know, as a reward from God. It's interesting to see the parallels there from Old to New Testament. Yeah. Um, but I, that's so interesting because I don't think, most people, myself included, would ever think that. Even in modern Christianity, I think if someone's enduring hardship or pain, they think, this is a season God has me in. I'm going to learn something through it, or I'm going to teach someone else something through it, or someone's going to be inspired by watching me handle it. I think it's much rarer to think, God's going to reward me for going through it. Yeah, God's going to 
because I'm being faithful and enduring this, God's going to reward me for it. That's a really yeah. interesting perspective to have. I don't I don't think that would be my first inclination. Yeah. I think that you bring up a really good point. Uh, that has gotten a little lost in today's Christian culture, but that is a theme of the Bible, you know. The Bible says in um, Hebrews, I think, he who wants to please God must have faith and believe that he rewards those who seek him. This, so yeah, I, I love that. Me too. And so th- that is like God does reward us. And Jesus even talks about, look, in heaven, there's streets of gold. You know, he's trying to express like, yes, you, you do. You get good because, things from because following Because that's God. the way humans are built. That's the way our mind works Absolutely. as we seek rewards. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that sometimes modern Christians feel weird about is it is explicitly said by Jesus in the New Testament what you do on this earth can correlate to what you get rewarded with in the afterlife. Yeah. And some Christians don't like to think that way because they think it's um, conceited or not humble to think, right. well, I want to do things so that I can be rewarded. I should just want to do them because I'm a good Christian. No. But, but yeah. I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe you can do those things and just be a good Christian. That's not necessarily bad. But Jesus says it's not bad to do things because you want to be rewarded for them. Yeah. And that's a really powerful idea because it that's human nature. Yeah. That's human nature to do things because you want to be rewarded for them. And Jesus says God appeals to that. Yeah. God looks at what you're doing and will reward you for it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He doesn't and just expect you to do good things because you should do good things. Yeah. I mean, you should. Nah, that's not the, that's not really the Christian message. I don't think is because even the, wait, let me finish that sentence. The Christian, Christian message is not empty myself. I'm a nothing person. I've laid it all but down. But Some people talk and think that way. I know that, but it's interesting because even, um, in Philippians, uh, two, when the Bible says that Jesus emptied himself, even by he obeyed God by emptying himself. The verses after that say so that he's glorified, so that he's the name above every other name, so that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that. Yeah. And and the Bible says too, he who humbles himself will be exalted. And it is totally okay to have faith in that. The person who humbles himself. If I humble myself, I will be exalted by God. And it's okay. It it's okay to look at the horizon optimistically when you're in a season of being humbled and say, God's going to reward me for this. Right. That's not arrogant. That's faithful. That's the heart that a Christian is supposed to have. You know, it's interesting. If you're a person walking around believing that the creator of the universe loves you and that you are never going to die and that you have an eternal reward that is literally unfathomable, how do you think that translates into your behavior, into the way you carry yourself, into the way you walk into a room? You're going to be different. So um, it's just, it's an, it's an incredible gift to be is, able to is. lean on those types of promises. And I, I, we didn't plan on talking about this. We didn't plan on talking about anything. But I'm glad we are talking about it because I do think that's completely misinterpreted and kind of, swept away in Christian culture today and not a not a message that you hear preached from the pulpit or at least I mean I don't hear a lot of messages preached but I haven't heard that one like hey you know believe that good things are in store for you like that's okay you know it's not arrogant it's not um 
how can I say, uh, assuming or entitled. That's the word I was looking for. No, you, that's, that's being faithful and believing and, God. And to make that message even clearer and more human, Jesus talks extensively about money and how people handle it to, to further this point that God is a practical boots on the ground God, as Melinda May would say, you know, <laughs> you know that, that is a Melinda May phrase, boots on the ground. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. So not not just as he say, you'll be rewarded for the things you do. Jesus talks about that using the tool that humans get so fixated and sometimes too devoted to money. Yeah. Jesus uses money to talk about these things. He talks about ex- eternal rewards. You know, don't don't place your faith in wealth or earthly things. Store up store up for yourself treasures in heaven meaning there are treasures in heaven there are treasures (laughs) to be had yes and that the the true meaning of that statement is literally unfathomable i don't know what that means but it's something good you know so yeah it's okay to and it is your it is it's not even something you can do it's something you should do is you should seek those things you should you should strive for that reward yeah definitely so i love where that went but i i I had way more to say about this but we went in a good direction we definitely did what did you read today though tell me what's going on with you so this is you know totally different than what we just talked about um go for it shoot um so i read the final few chapters of mark today okay um and i was you know, I read a little bit of context of what Mark was written for. It was written for a non-Jewish audience. It's so focused on action. It's shorter than the other Gospels, and it's uh, it's entirely event-based. You know, it's this all... Happened, this, happened, this happened, this happened. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the events that happen that you can tell are influenced by the Jewish faith are explained. It'll say sometimes in parentheses, the Jewish celebrate this holiday because of this, you know. So it was clearly written for a non-Jewish audience, and it was event-based. But something that totally was a little red herring in there for me was the scene that in which Jesus gets apprehended. So Judas comes with an army of people with swords and clubs to capture Jesus. Peter cuts off this guy's ear, and then <laughs> it says, okay, so Mark... Mark 14, let's start at 48. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Verse 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Totally random detail, right? Mm Mm-hmm totally disconnected from the rest of the narrative that's going on here totally disconnected from the story and it's not event-based like the rest of mark like, mm-hmm. what is this doing in here and then the next thing that happens is jesus is before the high priest verse 53 they took jesus to the high priest so it's all events 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 and there's this random detail stuck in here a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following jesus when they seized him he fled naked leaving his garment behind earlier in this scene Jesus is in the garden with just three other apostles, right? It doesn't mention this guy at all. I have a few thoughts on this, but I want to hear yours first. What does this mean to you? Wow. So I have always um, always wondered about this verse. I remember reading it as a kid and being like, why? Who is that? 
Why would this be significant? So, uh, I don't know. Tell me your thoughts first. So I'll tell you what I think about your thoughts. I was immediately struck by that verse, and I thought the same things. Who is this? Why is this random detail in here when Mark never talks about random details? And lo and behold, there was I, I have a student study Bible from when I was a kid. I still use it. And there was a, a little excerpt on the side in the margins by this verse. And their theory is, especially, like I said, given the context of how Mark is written, it doesn't make sense for this young man to be anyone but Mark himself. This is, this is Mark's little interjection to say, I was there. And he doesn't want to blow it up there. and say, oh, I heard all these things and whatever. But, um, and, you know, it's kind of a shameful thing that happened. He was wearing nothing but linen and then it gets stripped by the guards and he runs away naked. But I think it's his nod to the audience that, you know, because he's going to read this too someday. You yeah. know, after he writes this manuscript and it gets passed around, it I think it's his little personal touch on the story, and it it puts him back in that place so he can remember it. Yeah, which is really cool to think about. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that a person writing the Book of Mark, what I'm trying to say is that fits into me with the psychological pattern of I'm writing this book, events, 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 and then you almost accidentally slip this detail in that seems so important to you because it was you, you know? Exactly. So, because, so because in the scheme of things, this wasn't important at all. Yeah. There were probably dozens of people there capturing Jesus. Yeah. And they talk about Peter. They talk about Judas. They talk about Jesus. And they don't talk about anyone else except this random guy who runs away naked. Read I the verse one more time. Read the verse before it too, if you don't mind. Sure. Verse 50. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Verse 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. I wonder why they seized him. He, I'm, maybe he, when they started it's to mysterious. seize, maybe when they started to seize Jesus, he, this guy stepped forward and they thought he was a follower of Jesus, which he was. But, yeah. you know, there were people following Jesus his entire life. Right. He would go out on the Sea of Galilee and come back to shore and there were already hundreds of people there waiting for him. Yeah. I'll tell you so what. Th so it's not, it's not important at all that some random guy was following him because that was happening his entire life. Yeah. Which further evidences the point that you think it was Mark. Mark thought this guy was important for some reason. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it did for me when I read it for the first, you know, a couple times or whatever. It does set the scene of... Um, the people there who were uh, seizing Jesus, you know, were pretty merciless and pretty rough, you know. And it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a nice time to be around. You know what I mean? No, it really wasn't. Yeah, people, yeah. Killing killing was so normalized; it happened all the time. Yeah. You know, people people were punished by crucifixion. Yeah. You know, they pounded nails through your ankles and wrists while you were still alive and let you hang there till you died. And that's what happened to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and that's what happened to Jesus. That was very common. Very, very common. And they used to, you know? you know, do it publicly so as if that weren't enough so that you could be humiliated while you died and, you know, yeah. in front of everyone. And that's how Christ died. Yeah. It was very brutal. It was a brutal time. Yeah. The, hi the history of Israel in general is a brutal history. Yeah. And if nothing else, I think, well, at least for me personally, that verse helped to hit home the whole scene of the situation of, you know, it's kind of, there's chaos. I mean, it's not, 
it's, it's not a, it's not a nice yeah. time you know yeah. jesus yeah he yeah something something that that little interjection also made me realize too is that the bible itself while it has you know it, its primary purpose is being god's word and giving us wisdom and giving us guidance but it's a story. It's made up of people, and it's interesting. You know, there's lots of details like this that are in it yeah. that set the stage to make it interesting to read. You know, it's a really good story. It, yeah. There's so many cool stories, and in the Old Testament, too, sometimes people neglect that, but there's a lot of really cool stories. The story of David. Absolutely. You know, you can read David's whole life, story. and it's, it's, it's all these really interesting events, and and they were real people, like you and yeah. I. If you read the Bible with, like, a... This is like the word of God and like you read everything of like thou shalt and da da da. And I'm not just referring to the rhetoric of the King James Bible when I say that. I'm saying if you read the Bible and keep it at arm's length from you in this weird way that you're afraid to really approach it or you're afraid to to really um, hear what it's saying, then... A lot's going to get lost. You got to read it like it's a book. You know, I'm not saying it's not the word of God. It's the word of God. But the things, it, so somebody wrote yeah. it. <laughs> so, uh, people wrote it. A person wrote, wrote it. it yeah. And it's about other people. Yeah. And to your point, if you're to, if you're to treat the Bible as something only certain people can understand and it's so holy that you, you know, you shouldn't be able to understand it all and that some of these stories are you know, unfathomably just held up. Yeah. You have to remember, this is these are quotes from Jesus. And Jesus was a carpenter. And these quotes where he's telling these parables and teaching these people and healing these people happened in the countryside where everyone was dirty and hungry. Yeah. These people were fishermen and farmers. They were normal, poor you know, people. Yeah, I've always thought that. Like, people say, like, oh, we have to um, wait. Jesus didn't walk around in these... You know, in carriages with dazzling white robes with and all this stuff. With a halo around his head. Yeah, you know, he walked yeah. around in sandals in the countryside yeah. and talked to farmers all day. Absolutely. You know, so when you're reading these things, you don't have to be so afraid and so reverent and like be so careful with the pages of the Bible. It's it's the word of yeah. Jesus, who was a carpenter. Yeah. You know, he was God, but he was in the countryside talking to normal very people. Very real and raw book. It's a very r real and raw book. Even the story of Jesus's death i mean it's raw it's it's all like that you know it's kind of like you read stuff in the bible all the time it makes you go whoa that's yeah it's a lot because it's it's so real but my point is as you read it if you if you approach the bible as you're reading it this is something that someone wrote down thousands of years ago telling the story but this actually happened and you sort of visualize it and you believe it as you read and i think that's the key you believe it as you read it not just what does this mean for my life or what is the holy message that's mm -hmm. supposed to come out of this? Read it for what it says. You know, I think, um, you know, you can get it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot in there. Yeah, my point isn't don't lift up the stories of the Bible. I mean, they're the most important stories of all time. But just the Bible isn't meant to be treated as some indecipherable Da Vinci code of yeah. random religious happenings that are so difficult to understand they're supposed to be they're about common people and they're supposed to be read to common people yeah. jesus jesus is the god of the common person yeah. you know jesus ate dinner and hung out and prayed and walked through the countryside with normal people 
Bible. Right. And if you're a normal person, which most of us are, the Bible's meant for you. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, you can't approach it with like, this is not for me or this is too much for me. Just, you know, like this is too holy for me. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Like read it, you know, but, um, there's a reason yeah. why it's in so many hundreds of languages and it's the most printed and read book of all time is because it's meant for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So what time are we at? Uh, early thirties. Okay. Um, I love where this went. I really did too. That totally was really great. Random unplanned discussion, but I, that's what I genuinely I read it, today. You know? And I, I wanted to talking, talk to you about, Yeah, I enjoy talking about these things with you. So yeah, yeah hopefully the people, listening did as well yeah so are you gonna ask me a silly question we mentioned right before this <laughs> podcast that it was your turn for a silly question you were in the other room and you're like what it's my turn <laughs> <laughs> okay i will ask the silly. do you question. have one no okay last time you didn't have one you totally pawned it off on me and i did it so even though you don't have one i want you to really yeah <laughs> Yes. Wait, no, there was that one time where you where say, you didn't have I one did and, make and it you kind of you muscled it, it out yeah. slowly. But um I want uh, yeah, I I th- I think you can do it. Come on now. <laughs> You're smart. You can figure it out. <laughs> I think I could do it too, Trev. Okay. All right, let's go. Here we go. I'm just going to edit all this out if it doesn't work. Boo. <laughs> Give okay. the people what they want, live, uncut. Okay, okay. Uh, silly question. So, let's see. Mm, let's rephrase it to personal question, because personal questions I'm really good at. Okay, that's fine. All right, personal question. Mm, what do you miss most about the year 2000 and? No, I want to re-ask this. What that was going in an interesting direction. What do you miss most about college? Hmm. You know you're gonna have to answer this. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't know that. I know now, and I will. We <laughs> always answer the question. But both of th- us. I didn't think of that when I asked you. But go on. What do I, I miss this. most about college? Hmm. It was so fun. I, I miss being with my friends all the time. Mm. Literally all the time. Weren't you too busy to hang out with your friends? How did you hang out with any friends? But all the stuff I was doing, you know, I was rowing, I was singing acapella, I was taking a bunch of classes, I was in a fraternity. All those things were with friends. Yeah. You know, every day yeah. I had three or four or five activities to go to. And I was always going to see different groups of friends. You know, I was with my friends the entire yeah. day from I woke up, whatever, 6 a.m. and then I went to bed. I was always with my friends. Did the rowing team hang out a lot? All the time. Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm. We would go to the dining hall together bef- before or after practice, and that would be a whole ordeal because we had to eat so much. I was eating like six, 7,000 calories a day, so we would spend like two hours at dinner at the dining hall, just all you can eat. It was amazing. That does so sound I, really fun, to be honest. And then I would go to the library and study for a while or whatever, or I would go... With your friends? Um, I always studied alone. Mm. I, I could not do one of those big group table study kind of things because I would never get anything done. And some people are fine with that because they don't want to actually get anything done. Yeah. Uh, but I always went to a totally secluded place to study. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I sometimes I would go straight from practice to 
acapella rehearsal and I would, you know, bring food on the way and I would just basically go from activity to activity with people I liked. You know, it was yeah. so fun. I miss being around my friends uh, 24 hours a day. Yeah. And I bet especially now in quarantine. Exactly. And even living in New York during normal times, if I want to see people I went to college with, I have, you know, it's it's gotta it, make it's it an thing. effort. You have yeah. to make plans to when yeah. your s- both your schedules work out and you only see a few of them at a time. Yeah. Whereas I could, you know, walk into the dining hall and see 100 people I know. Yeah. So I definitely miss that. What about you? What do I miss From about college days? my college? I have I haven't told you much about my college you days. Haven't. Um because they were short-lived, but they do exist somewhere in the past. Um, hmm, what do I miss most about my college days? Um, similarly, I was with Erica a lot, my best friend, and we were we were definitely a thing. You were a force. We were a thing. People knew about us. It was, <laughs> it was, yeah. We were like that um, in high school as well. I think I told you this, but in our English class in high school, we'd literally play the, like our our teacher would do these like Jeopardy games and it would literally be me and Erica against the rest of the class. It was a thing, like we were a thing. Mm -hmm. So that also like happened at Penn State as well. But anyway, um, what do I miss most about college? Being with Erica was amazing. Honestly, the classes I liked... I really liked and it was such a it's such a neat thing to just um, immerse yourself in something technical and learn it mm-hmm. it's not um, there's something that feels so good about that now I've done that other times in my life a bunch of times I go through phases with things sure. that interest me whether it's or if something throws itself in front of you oh I have to fix this audio interface for this church I'm working for or whatever yeah, stuff you, like that yeah. Things things like that are fun, but even more so like the study of things. Yeah. Most recently, the past couple of years, I've been really into archaeology, you know, but before that, I was on a I was on other kicks as well. I was on an industrial revolution kick for a while, just whatever, you know? But taking classes and taking tests and having to study, I actually loved that part. <laughs> so, maybe that, you know, I miss I miss like physics class i miss trig class there's an answer at the end you do it wrong or you do it right that's it and some of those things don't lend themselves well to personal study it's hard to study calculus by yourself it's hard to just you know if you don't have a teacher or other people you can ask questions with or you know a set of problems to do or whatever it's hard to learn those things even if you like learning them yeah. You know, it's not just like sitting down and reading a book about the Industrial Revolution. It's hard to just sit down and read a book about trigonometry. Yeah. I mean, I never did that. I never sat down and read a book about... I actually never sat down and read a book about the Industrial Revolution either, but I would, like, listen to lectures and stuff. But um, the trigonometry thing, like, it's just the satisfaction of, like, there's one answer to this. Sure. You know, stuff like that. Um, I had a really good trig teacher. Shout out, Dr. Blessing. His name was Blessing. But anyway, so, yeah. Well, cool. So, yeah, that's, I'm trying to think. When was that? What year was that? 2000. I was in college. I went to Penn State for two semesters, 2007, September of 2007. And then I left in 2008. Spring of 2008. Yeah, so I went for two semesters, but then. Erica continued. She moved. She 
went to state college. So I would go there every other weekend. So I have spent a lot of time at state college. So a lot of my like state college is a city, right? Yeah, it's a city. So a lot of it my sounds like a made up thing, like <laughs> like a, a the name of a college in a TV show, state college. You know? It's literally the name of I forget that. It's so, you know, it's probably like you, you grew up in Pennsylvania. Right. But they, and literally every hu- human knows, knows state, state college. college right? right. It's a town and it's dead center it of the sounds state. Sounds made up. And that Are you sure it's real? <laughs> Positive. Are you sure you went to college? <laughs> Are you sure any of this is real? Actually, I, I don't know. So I don't know. It was long ago. <laughs> Whatever. But it's probably true. Everything I'm saying is probably true. <laughs> but. Um, so a lot of my stories and stuff about like my college years take place when I wasn't actually taking classes, but it was just parties I went to in state college because I would, that's where Erica lived and I would go there pretty Mm. often. And that's when I would, I think I told you this, but we would like Friday night, Saturday night, we're out like all night. I would wake up 5am Sunday, get in my car and drive and literally pull into the parking lot park. It was like a three hour drive. Maybe, yeah, three hours. Dr- 5 a.m., wake up on Sunday, drive for three hours, pull into the parking lot, like maybe get a coffee and like walk into church and... Lead worship. Yeah, lead worship and teach the kids and all this, all the things because my dad was the pastor of that church. And so I did a lot there. I led worship and then I would go teach the kids for children's church or whatever. But it's that's a whole other story. Someday we'll have a silly question about that because that was a whole other experience. <laughs> Sounds like... But anyway, so, but that was happening while I was not actually enrolled in college, but my college So after those two semesters. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like we both had relatively good times in our college years. I've had a good time my whole life, pretty much. That is a good thing. I've had a pretty good time, too. Yeah? Life's a pretty good time. I've had a good time. And I think that's partly informed by something you mentioned earlier. You know, you think... If you walk around knowing that you have a relationship with the creator of the universe and that you have something waiting for you after you die. Yeah. It's hard to get down about a lot of things. Yeah. Well, you still, you'll get get, down. You still get down. But it. But I think it it lasts less time. It certainly informs your perception. And the highs are higher, I think. Yeah. I think the highs are definitely higher. And the lows are higher, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So, anyway... Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was that was fun. This it's good it's to just good have podcast. unbridled conversation. I like where this. we don't necessarily know where it's gonna go, but hopefully the listeners like it as well. Yeah, you did great. You did great too. Thank good job, you. kid. Yeah. <laughs> Make it to the big leagues yet. <laughs> good job, kid. See a name in lights, kid. <laughs> remember when you called me a bench warmer? <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't I say something like we don't want any bench warmers or don't be a bench warmer. I didn't. I don't know if I called you a bench warmer. You I was said like, don't be. You're one. a bench warmer, <laughs> Hateman. You'll always be a bench warmer. <laughs> I don't remember this interaction. I think that's how it went. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you've had a good time. I hope this podcast has been fun and interesting. And yeah, reach out to us if you have any questions or want us to talk about certain things. But thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Stronger Voices Podcast. And yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you for the next episode. We encourage you to reach out to us directly at contact at strongervoicespodcast.com with questions, comments, or discussion topics. We wholeheartedly thank you for your support. If you like Stronger Voices, we humbly ask you to do two things. 
Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. And copy this link right now and send it to the person you care most about in this world. Thank you again, and we'll see you for the next episode of Stronger Voices.